0: And welcome to the Chelsea. Here we are again. Wow, we're really uncharted waters now. We've got, we've got no games for like nearly two weeks. It's extraordinary. I can't remember the last time this happened. In fact, I think it's going to be quite good for everybody at Chelsea, isn't it? Andy, how are you? And it's weird, isn't it? We've got nothing coming up until Friday week.
2: I know. I'm off for some warm weather training on Saturday.
0: Are oh, you now? You're doing your mid. Where are you training yourself?
2: I've got. To, I'm going to go to Antigua because I, I need to do. I need to get myself fit for the for the rest of the campaign. Right. So okay. rather than rather than waste a week uh, of lying around eating biscuits, I thought I'd go and um, go to a Caribbean island and uh, you know just just make sure that I'm match fit for for when we start again.
0: Uh, no, you're so wise, Andy. I mean, yeah. you know, you're I really mean, ahead I'm, of the I'm curve.
2: Reasonably, reasonably selfless, I thought, you know, to, to do that. I mean, I could have just sort of laid around and, and not done anything, but I'm actually going to get on a plane and, and, and do some, you know, proper holiday, on the sunbed. Yeah, yeah.
0: well well done. i really proud of you. Um, mm. That's fantastic news, and I'm sure everyone who listens will wish you the best holiday ever, Andy, and I hope it goes well. So there you go. And Gary, hello, mate. How are you?
1: I'm okay. I just realised what you're saying. I didn't realise my tash was so prominent.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of the biggest tashes I've seen you with. It looks good. It's it's stunning. (laughs) Even
1: though you're very 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 Starsky and Hutch when uh, they go
0: undercover in the Ben Stiller movie. I I think it's
2: it's verging on Tom Selleck.
0: Yeah, it is. It's verging on. The, yeah, I actually Tom Selleck's quite a good call. It's a bit droopier though than Selleck's. Selleck's would have cut it a bit shorter than that. I mean, it's starting. You could actually turn that. It's into almost a like real, half
1: a handlebar. Mm. Well, yeah, it's, it wants to be a handlebar, but I haven't done it.
2: Are you quite doing it all for, the way for for Twatember or something? Is that why you're doing it?
1: No, I, d- I just trimmed my beard up the other day, and I thought I'd leave my tash a little bit longer, and I didn't realise I'd left it that long twatvember <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then i come on camera and carrie's like oh hello actually it wouldn't be twatvember it'd be twatuary wouldn't it <laughs> oh. <laughs> every, every day of the year oh well done no it, it, it looks quite striking gary quite striking i mean there's well, more you know on what, there um, than on top of a, your head again a,
2: a, a little bit like your Painting last week. This is great radio.
0: It's absolutely brilliant. Well, maybe we'll get a photo. Can I bring Gary? something
2: nice into it? Actually, yeah, I on. forgot
1: to say this to you. I, um, I, I haven't been using Twitter so much, but um, over the weekend, I saw I had a nice DM from a listener. Oh yeah. And um, I forgot to send it to you both. Nick Clark, deputy culture editor of the Evening Standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's communicated with us in the past. I think he pulled me up on something before. Actually, I said something incorrectly. Your moustache. Dramatically. <laughs> well now the moustache but he said um, he messaged me and he said a really great tribute to Viali on the recent podcast so right about those players that weren't marquee names being so important to and to be there on the day with them last week as an aside my brother was mascot in the 90s when mascots always chose Dennis Wise the best player to lead them around my bro was eight at the time and he was the first to choose Frank Sinclair we loved him anyway just wanted to say great work on the pod oh that's, that's really nice a- Nick Thank yeah. you, Nick. So there you go. I think he was just talking to me though, because it was only to me. Yeah, so, I think he was right. saying that I've done a good job, and Andy and Kerry haven't. Yeah, I think, I think he's
2: probably probably a little bit um, <laughs> intimidated by by me and Kerry's uh, stature. So probably the, the the sort of gateway to us is via you, Gary. That's probably what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know. I, I, I'm the humble one. <laughs> You're the pathway. <laughs> pathway to us <laughs> you're, you're the pathway so nick don't be shy you can message us but thank you very much for the message it's much appreciated and uh yeah we i think it, all of it has been quite interesting the last few weeks and i think we've taken our own usual view of how to look at these things and uh, discuss it hopefully in the right way forever everyone. we've had quite a few nice comments so thank you all uh we will carry on doing what we do um so, yes, it's, it's, it's really odd, isn't it? I mean, Gary, what, what do you make? I remember you saying a few weeks ago, actually, it'd be a pretty good thing if we go out to City. And do you think, and we'll come on to the Liverpool game in a minute, but do you think this is actually going to be really great for the players in the middle of the season to have the best part of two weeks to get some actual training and working on tactics together?
1: Yeah, I think it's good for everyone at the club, isn't it? It's like everyone gets some respite and the manager's not in the headlines. He's not having to put up with a press conference this Friday or midweek. He can focus on the things that he's paid to do that he wants to do. The players can have a couple of you know, couple of days off. I saw I know he hasn't been playing so much, but you know, 'cause he's been injured, but I saw Ben Chilwell gone to Paris. I'm sure the other players have gone away for a couple of days and just to, you know, rest their bodies and rest their minds a little bit. They're out of the firing line now. Uh, It's good. I I like this. You know, we don't want it to be every year that it's like this, but, you know, pick your moments, right? Now's a good moment.
0: And and Andy, I I guess we should mention this as well because Potter's been under such pressure recently about, oh, he's going to get the sack. Oh, this is going to happen. This takes him out of the firing line for a couple of weeks and people can notice actual sackings going on, by which I'm alluding to. Frank uh, left Everton today, um, which in a weird way, was a surprise and yet also no surprise at all. Um, How did you feel about that?
2: Well, I don't think it was a surprise. He'd only won three games out of his last 20 league games. I mean, it's rooted at the bottom of the table and not looking like they're going anywhere. So I know, I mean, Gary had a little chat about this, but, you know, I I know it's an absolute mess at Everton. I know the fans are furious and I know that changes are being demanded. Fact is, he's not getting a tune out of this side. And, you know, much as I love Frank Lampard, I have to say on the evidence of what I've seen, I don't think he's a great manager at the moment I mean he may be I hope he goes on and and gets another chance and perhaps manages at a level where he can experience winning and build his confidence Um, but I don't think it's a surprise that when you're bottom of the table with half the season to go and you're not winning games that you get the sack you know whatever the mess at Everton is
0: yeah, interestingly, I was looking at the, the stats for his three clubs he's managed, uh, Derby, Chelsea and then Everton. I think Derby's win percentage was something like 44 or 46 percent. Chelsea, it was 54 percent and at Everton, it's 42 percent. Um, it's it's quite incredible when you see those sort of figures stacking up because he ended up losing his job at Chelsea with a 54 percent win ratio, Gary. And a much lower one at Everton, actually, does for him. Doesn't that doesn't that seem like a a, a strange sort of set of figures when you look at it?
1: No. Yeah, I, I just think he's a pawn in the game. They've got all this stuff going on. Um, they've got uh, directors not allowed to go to games. Directors getting put in headlocks at games. And let's change the narrative. Let's sack the manager. Yeah, let's blame him for all the problems.
2: Do, do you think? That, do, do you think that his performance warrants him staying?
1: No, not at all. I think, I, well, I think you look at, you look no, at the I'm state of the club. On this one, oh, sorry. So sorry. I think you look at the state of the club. If I was an Everton fan, I wouldn't be happy with it, but I'd know that the problems are worse than the manager. But when, like you say, Andy, you're 19th in the league
2: you can't expect to keep your job on yeah. that Kerry on, on those stats that you just put there it's all very well saying you've got this 54% win percentage most of that is front loaded though you know he, he got a, he had a really good start at Chelsea and everybody was like well this is you know this is very encouraging and that's where most of that percentage comes from you know at the end he went on a, into a massive tailspin you know we couldn't win a game for love nor money and you know and and, and I think that when he left Chelsea much as people wanted us to give him more time and want, wanted there to be you know a little bit more leeway mainly because of who he was I don't think the performance is merited it, you know. And, and so I think those stats are a little bit misleading is what I'm saying.
0: That, that was actually going to be my point on this, was these kind mm. of stats don't mean anything because you suddenly go, well, 54% at Chelsea. I mean, he surely shouldn't have gone, but you're absolutely right because there's so many ways you can read stats. And we've talked mm. about that on, on here many times, that mm. stats can be manipulated and massaged to say all sorts of things.
2: Also, as well about Frank, I, I think you know his post-match clips. You know that we saw over the week. He didn't look well, did he? He looked really stressed. I mean, there was some footage of him talking to the fans where he looked like he was sort of having having not having a breakdown, but certainly certainly really struggling. You know, to kind of hold it together. And I wonder whether all the other stuff that Gary talks about at the club, which is you know, it does sound like a shocking mess is that taking its toll on him? You know, he is a winner. You know, he's probably my favourite player of all time at Chelsea. You know, as a player, I think he's untouchable. Uh, As a manager, I think he's not really found his stride yet, but he's young as a manager. And, you know, he's had a couple of Premier League experiences that haven't worked out. As I say, I hope he goes somewhere where he can experience winning. Um, But, you know, I, I think... He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the aggro. He doesn't need the stress. It's probably good that he steps away for his own mental health and and reboots and recharges and comes back and gets involved with a project that is going in the right direction.
1: Look at him as a player. If he was a player now, <clears throat> you know he's, he's in the mould of someone like Conor Gallagher, say, in terms of his managerial career, and he's probably taken on too much. Well, we knew he took on too much he could handle, but it was Lampard right at Chelsea he should have maybe dropped down to the championship because look, you look at Gerrard, he was at Rangers, maybe should have stayed there a, bit, a little bit longer, Villa was too much for him. These guys are getting jobs because of who they are, right? And you're looking at it now and you're thinking, well, yeah, you know, I like to think Lamps will be up to it at some point, he'll come back to Chelsea, that's the dream, but I only want him back at Chelsea if he's ready to be back at Chelsea, right? Because you don't want to put the club ahead of, you, know, you don't want to put him being back at Chelsea over Chelsea winning things and... And you know, going forward and being a power, you know, a, a, a powerful club again. But I just think managers like Lampard and JT. You look at them; they, I think they've got to be a bit more humble. I'm not saying he's not humble, but you know what I mean. Just go to the championship, go to League One, cut your teeth, build it back up again, and then earn the right. You look at the managers now in the top jobs. I know, obviously, Guardiola was a star as a player, but they're predominantly managers that are cut their teeth as coaches and worked their way up and got the big breaks. Potter now at Chelsea has done that because he spent 20 years in the lower reaches of football. Now he's earned the right to be there.
2: Yeah, yeah no, I, I totally I think agree. And I think, I, I think that, um, you know, actually going down to the championship and bringing a club up and, you know, and, and developing that sort of brand of football um, with a club that wins and then perhaps being taken up by another club in the Premier League you know, having having experience winning I, th- I think that would be good for him. You know, I told the story a million times and here. I met Frank before he took the Chelsea job and I said to him, we'd love you at Chelsea, you know, you'd be great and he just laughed and went, it's way too early and it was, you know, and I think that it just probably should have stayed at Derby or should have stayed at the at the Championship level a little bit longer at uh, learnt his trade a little bit and the reason they get these jobs is they can turn around and say, put your medals on the table and Frank Laban can put many, many medals on the table and so can Steven Gerrard and that's why they do it but we all know that management these days is a lot more sophisticated there's a lot of managers these days that never played at the top level you know that have come in because they are you know sophisticated um clever intelligent coaches essentially and 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 um and and, uh and people that can you know really strategize a game you know Frank Lampard was an incredible player with with a lot of medals I'm not sure that just is enough these days to make you a top level manager
0: no, I, I think I think that's a fair point. And you know what? I'm sure that Graham Potter is going, thankfully now the pressure is off me for the moment. There's been a a, a major sacking in, in the Premier League. I can just get on with my job. Out of the spotlight for a couple of weeks, we can work on things. Yeah, of course. And when Potter start,
1: loses his job at Chelsea, Lamps can come back. There you go, sorted. I don't think Potter's going to lose his <laughs> job. Let me ask you a question.
2: Do you think... Do you think that the pressure is off Potter a little bit after these last couple of results? Yes. Hopefully. Yeah. But I do you do. feel it Gary? I mean I feel it that it feels like it's been lifted a little bit. There aren't people screaming for his head, you know. I and mean, we'll come on we'll talk about the game in detail, but it feels like in the last couple of weeks there's been just a little pause in hostilities on Potter amongst the Chelsea fans. Or maybe I'm As wrong, maybe be. I'm it's, it's, wrong.
1: But the thing, you know, it's not that things are amazing, but things have changed. Yeah, things have
0: changed you know, and things see, are getting better. The players are playing for him. You can you can't deny that. And we know that the club's briefing people and briefing journalists that basically it's not gonna happen. So go and find the blood elsewhere. And we saw a change yeah. in the way that articles were coming across, the way they were written. Yeah, I, I think he's in clear of course. Andy, if he goes on and wins only two out of the next eighteen, and we see no progression and style and the way we're playing and evolution. He's a, he's as screwed as anybody else. But mm. we, we I think people are understanding exactly what's going on at Chelsea. There is this huge look, nobody. And we'll get on to Liverpool in a bit because there's another bit I want to talk about before then. But nobody's going even close to the thought that Jurgen Klopp, who you could say actually is doing worse than Chelsea because they've got slightly less injuries. Nobody's going after him saying, oh, I'm not sure he's going to last another week or two. It's, it's a different way of doing things. And I think Chelsea, and I would say the people who run the club at the moment, seem to be doing the right thing to get the right message across at the right time. It's everything that doesn't happen at, say, a place like Everton. That's what I think. So, no, I think, I,
2: I, think, I think that's fair enough. You know, the, the backing has been fairly staunch. Um, and, and I hope it continues and I hope he does get a chance to get to get these key players back from injury that he gets to bed in some of the signings that we've made and that we get to have a little bit of fun for the rest of the season going out there and, and creating an identity for our club that is missing at the moment um, and some leadership within that team that will see us compete because up till now we've only seen brief flashes of it can't score a goal still but you know there are other elements to be, to be taken positively out of recent performances and uh, you know I for one I'm, I'm quite happy that we're sticking with him for the time being but everybody's everybody's grace is finite if right, like Frank you only win three out of 19 time to go but you know he's not at that stage at the moment so I think we need to to back off and and, and let him continue with the project
0: yeah exactly and, and Gary I mean going to the transfer market. There's, look, there are, there are dissenting voices on social media all over the place saying, oh, they don't know what they're doing, this scattergun approach. But actually, when you start looking at it, they are gradually filling the right holes with players. We know that we need a striker. Well, we've gotten Kunku in the bag. Yeah, we don't see him till next season, so we've got to get through till then. We know that we've now filled definitely a couple of the forward positions. One, for sure, looks as though he may just be one of the most exciting signings we've made in years. Early days, but everybody seems to be of the opinion, and we'll talk about that later. Um, we are trying to fill with... Benoit Badi looks as though he is absolutely the right fit. Um, yeah, there have been a couple of mistakes, but do you not think that actually, slowly but surely... The main places that need filling are being filled. And yes, we're going to have a surfeit of players, probably for most of the rest of this season. But we know there's going to be a clear-out happening, whether it's now, whether it's in the summer. We do know we need one more midfielder, probably in a defensive midfielder position. How do you think the transfer window is panning out? Do you think, actually, there seems to be more planning than people are giving them credit for?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's it's exciting, isn't it? What I find incredible is... um... Chelsea have gone from transfer windows of fans, hashtag announce player X and complaining that we're not signing anyone to suddenly the same sort of profile of fan complaining that we're signing too many players. Um so I find it hilarious, but obviously we we can we can look at you know we're not privy to the conversations going on, you know, behind the closed doors at Stanford Bridge, but obviously the truth will out in the summer, right? I know that's a bit of a cop-out because you're saying, well, time will tell, but there seems to be planning at the moment, but then when you it gets to the summer, you've got to see where certain players get, you know, what players get moved on, because we can't start next season with all of these inside forwards, right? Players have got to be shifted on, just not even for the financial sense, just because you can't have a squad of that many players and keep them all happy, and then that just starts spreading like a rot throughout the dressing room, right? But I'm excited by some of the signings they've made, and, you know, I'm really interested to see Fafana, you know, it's... You can't say that's been a failure because he's just been injured the whole time, which, which is no one? one's which fault, for right? Which yeah. Favana? <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. I forget which one is who now as well. Is it Wesley?
0: Wesley <laughs> at the back.
1: Yeah. No, um, so, Wesley um, at the
0: back. Favana at in one. attack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> David in attack. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just look here and just think, look, okay, it's looking good in places, but then you're looking at it and you're a bit, there's a bit of caution as well because you're like, mm, are they going to be able to move players on? Have they got plans for what they're doing? But um, I like it. I like what they're trying to do. And, you know, you've got to think Man United's fans complain that the Glazers don't have enough ambition and our owners, whether they're getting it all right or not, are showing they've got ambition and they complain, no, you've got too much ambition.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, well, how do you please these people?
0: Andy, what, over well, as, you.
2: You, I, as you know, I'm a baseball fan and, and, you know, and have been for a long time. Um, and it's interesting that they're attaching some of the principles of baseball to, 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 to the Chelsea situation at the moment. Obviously, Todd Bowley's a LA Dodgers owner um, and has come in and gone, well, how do we get around FFP? I'll tell you what, we'll spread the payments over eight years or 10 years. And that's why we are giving these long contracts to people. Um, but what we'll also do is we'll buy young players, you know, so that ultimately... They will have a resale value if we give them a long a long contract as well, so we can amortise, you know, uh, the cost over over a period of time. You know, to me, that's that's thinking outside the box. That's not really been done in in certainly in English football uh, before to, to to this level at this level. So I think that's really encouraging. I think that they're they're obviously profiling. Players with potential, which is good, because it only takes one player to become a world superstar, you know, and the whole project's been worth it. It's a bit like the academy, isn't it? You know, you can fund the academy for five, six years at a very high cost, and you only need one player that's worth 30, 40 million, and the whole thing's paid for it paid for itself. So I, I like what they're doing. And I like the profile of the player that they're signing. They're not all going to work. You know, they're not all going to be uh, Neymar. They're not all going to be uh, players that are going to go on and, and, and become legends at the club. Some of them will move on. Some of them will be a disaster. Some will be sold. That's the nature of the business. But, you know, if you're asking me what I think of the policy, I think it's smart financially. I think it's smart creatively. And it remains to be seen whether it has an impact on the pitch. I'm hoping it will. You know, we're talking Talked about briefly about Mudrick there, which we'll, I'm sure we'll expand on, um, and some of the other players that are coming in. And, it, I mean, it looks good. I think, I think it looks absolutely fine. I think there's a few gaps, but hopefully the summer is where we fill those.
0: And also, I, I think you are going to see other clubs, and I think it was Arsenal or Man U, have already tied somebody or tying someone to an eight-and-a-half-year deal or whatever, we're going to see this. It's going to change. I don't know whether that works for agents or not. How how does it work, Gary? I mean, we are going to see a spate of these kind of signings now, aren't we?
1: Yeah, you know what? It's funny because we we look back to when Roman came in and the way he changed the transfer market and approached the transfers and whatnot, and you know, depending on your persuasion, is you know for for good or bad, right? And now suddenly, you see Chelsea are doing stuff in a different way, where you're seeing these long term contracts coming in consistently. And I think that other clubs are going to start bringing that. in. You've seen it with a couple of transfers already, right? Like you're saying, it's interesting how that approach is suddenly going to filter out for you know through football because clubs are going to see Chelsea doing it, and it's going to become the norm. And they're going to have to start tying their players down, otherwise they run the risk of no trans, you know, no sale value. But equally, the financial fair play. Uh, so it's just an interesting way of doing things. And you get this, don't you? In any industry, when people come in and they apply principles from, they've come in from the outside and they apply principles from what they know and it changes it. And it's, I just find it interesting to see that Chelsea, even though we're not challenging for the title at the moment, we're the team that, you know, I saw someone tweet about it. I think it was Mark Worrell who just made, made a joke that, you know, um, Chelsea in mid-table but it and Man United are playing Arsenal on Sunday, but all the headlines are about Chelsea and what they're doing. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's interesting. We're still making headlines for better or worse. We're still making headlines as a club. And I know it's painful what we're going through on the pitch. And it has been the last couple of weeks have been, you know, have picked have perked us up a little bit. But we're not going to get an amazing campaign out of the way. You know, it's not going to turn for the better. But I'd just like to see what's going on behind closed doors, you know, and how we're seeing it play out in front of us still and got 17, Andy, 18,
2: th- ga- We've still got 17-18 games to play, we don't know what, what's going to move forward, we may suddenly go on a 12-13 game winning streak and you, you never know, I mean that's the beauty of, of football, Ch- chances are we won't you know, chance. I'm, I'm realistic, chances are that you know we will end up in a in a sort of mid midish table position but you never know if, if suddenly players come back and it clicks and some of these new boys, you know, make an impact, you never know that's all I'm saying.
0: Andy, do, do you think if if we end up with these long deals everywhere, eight-year deals, does there come a point where actually transfers can't be done anymore because the resale value is so high? Is there a, is there a concern? Is that why people because they'll be tied for longer deals so it will cost more to prize them out of contracts
2: no because i think the market will adjust accordingly you know if everybody is is doing these type of deals if, if it becomes the norm to do this as it does in baseball although that tends to be a free agent um tend to tends to be a free agency market model in other words you don't pay a transfer fee. Um, it, it, it's going to mean that we will do business differently. So instead of there being a, um, you know, a a, a ridiculous sell-on fee, you know, like we're currently facing with Enzo Fernandez or we're facing with some of the players that we're trying to buy, oh, I'm sorry, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's £106 million. That's the buyout fee of it. Instead of having that, you're going to have to buy a contract out. And people turn around and go, oh, look, it's an eight-year contract. But those players are going to play for eight years. You know, all we're doing is saying they're going to play for us for eight years unless somebody wants to come in and buy their contract out. And the resale value situation is 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 only there on a supply and demand basis at the moment. If everybody does it, the market will adjust, I think.
0: Uh, OK. Uh, lastly on the transfer market, Gary, Noni Madueke, what do you know about him? Is this another surprise signing? Do you know much about him? Is actually that's what's quite interesting about this transfer window – is we're waiting to find out what these players are like.
1: Well, he watches highlights and he looks okay. He looks like it takes too many touches to get a shot off though, but I don't know enough about him to really he'll, give he'll a fit
2: right in. Yeah, no, yeah, we're I, don't, I don't know enough
1: about him to give a to give an educated um response because I don't know anyone in the world who watches the Eri Divisi and can say with you know confidence that they Andy know enough about it. What do you think?
2: <laughs> well, I, I, the, th- the interesting thing about him is he, he comes from St. Albans, which is where I live. He went to school in St. Albans. He actually went to a posh school, went to a private school in, in St. Albans, was on Spurs books for a while and and uh, uh, and decided that he wanted to go and play in Holland because that's where he felt the opportunities were. He's very highly rated over there. He's very much that right-sided Uh, attacking player that we don't really have at the moment, apart from Ziyech. Um, And, you know, he's very direct. You're probably right in terms of he doesn't look like a natural goal scorer, but his assist record is high. He's powerful. He doesn't get knocked off the ball. He's good in the air. I mean, there's a lot to like about him, but, you know, we've had players come from the Dutch League before, you know, whether it be Kesman or whether it be Kesman. you know, or some of these other players that come very highly rated and really struggle in the Premier League because it's such a step up so you know I'm always cautious about, um, about players coming in you know with big reputations in the Dutch league because as Gary says nobody watches it um, and, and it's not particularly quality league so we will see um, but you know from what I've seen of him what I've heard of him he has all the qualities it's a question whether he can transfer them to the Premier League.
0: Okay and last thing before we go to the break Gary how do you see what okay what do you think Callum Hudson-Odoi feels right at this moment oh, in time? Done. He's done. He is. He's I, not... I,
1: I, until you mentioned then, I hadn't thought about him. Hudson-Odoi, he, look, he had the world at his feet and he blew it. And he's not even doing it at Leverkusen, is he? So good luck to him. Um, but I don't I don't see him doing anything at Chelsea. I think there's other players. Ziyech, is probably done, even though he's had a good couple of performances. Pulisic is done. I've, I always... You know, I have my opinion of him biased by that first year at Chelsea. But after that, he just hasn't done it to that level. Um, so, yeah, I just think the likes of hudson Adoy, Pulisic, you know, the players that have been underwhelming for too long. They haven't got that time on their hands anymore because they've been replaced. Yeah. I, I th- and that, that, that's, the, yeah, that's, that's the ruthlessness of, of football, isn't it? And life at the top. Don't don't do it. We'll get someone else in.
0: Seize the day or the day isn't yours. That's the problem, isn't it? So, all right. Well, look, we should go to the commercial break. And when we come back, we'll be chatting all things about the game at Anfield. Back in a minute. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore.
2: Whistleblowers Daily is a bite-sized podcast that goes out every weekday of the football season. Join Mark Smith and a rotation of guests as they give you all the headlines plus some concise opinion on each, arming you with all the up-to-date football knowledge you need to get through your day. Whether it's bringing you reaction to the big games, fallout from the latest VAR scandal, or just someone to keep a tally of all Erling Haaland's hat-tricks, Whistleblowers Daily is the show to sort you out. Whistleblowers Daily, available every weekday of the football season. Search for The Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're back. So, Chelsea had a trip to Liverpool. A big six-pointer for ninth place. Uh, Who would have expected this at the beginning of the season? But, as it turns out, it was a very interesting day out. Uh, Andy, do you like, we've talked about this before, but do you like the big games being at lunchtime kickoff? Um, I don't mind them if they're away because
2: <laughs> and I'm not going, um, quite nice to sit there with a cup of tea and a sandwich and, 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 watch the football in the comfort of your own home. Uh, I don't like them if they're, if they're at the bridge, cause then that's a bit of a pain, you know, to, to get up in the morning and go there. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. It's fine. I don't get exercised about it. Like some people do. I mean, it's a long way to go for a lunchtime kickoff and an early start. You know, if you're a Chelsea fan going up to Anfield. Yeah, I,
0: I'd agree. It could, be, worse. could I, be
2: the women. Could be the women's game. You know, uh, where Okay, Chelsea, let's,
0: let's mention that Chelsea,
2: Chelsea v Liverpool in the women's game yesterday. You know, those Liverpool fans came down at five a.m. and the game got called off after six minutes because of a frozen
0: pitch. You know, so it could have been worse. Uh, and you know what's going on? The, the FA aren't at these games. There's no one to make a decision on the, other than the referee. The referee apparently said we'll have a have a look at for two o'clock and then still played at 12.30. Yeah, because the TV
2: companies didn't want to move it because it was live on Match of the Day. That's why. I mean, there were so many outside pressures on the referee that, you know, the whole thing sounded like a mess and it needs sorting out. But, you know, you have to feel sorry for people that have given up their Sundays to go and watch a football match, you know, and been told that it's on, only for it to be cancelled after six minutes. I think it's ludicrous.
0: Yeah, and it shows look, Chelsea should be playing possibly more games at Stamford Bridge. I know they want their own home, but it doesn't house that many people. There's no undersoil heating. I it's I think women's football has moved on in so many ways in the last year that everybody has to get their act together and start supporting it properly. Because it, it, you're right, it's not right. I feel sorry for any fan from any club, even Liverpool fans, coming down at five in the morning. You know, it's a hateful thing. We've all been in that situation, turning up to a ground, mainly when I was much younger and finding the game cancelled. It's it's horrific, isn't it, Gary?
1: Yeah, it's not good at all for any any league or whatever. I think they should have it in in control, whether it's Vauxhall Conference or the Women's League or the Premier League or any league. I think fans just are always the last people to be considered in anything. Just as you're talking there about the Saturday game. Yeah, you know, having to get up to Anfield for a 12:30 kick-off as well. It's
0: just crazy. Yeah. Mm. And actually you're seeing the power of television here because you could say that Andy Murray in the Australian Open playing till 5 past 4 in the morning is ridiculous, but that's because broadcasters it's great for everyone in Europe. TV rules, doesn't it, Andy? And is that the price we pay for money being involved?
2: Uh, always, and it has done for a long time. It, it dictates the kickoff times. It dictates the um, you know the, the days of the week that the football is shown. It dictates all sorts of things, and it's it's um, you know you have to to a degree accept that you know they put so much money into the game that you know they do get a say. But you know Gary's absolutely right. It's the fans that are always the last consideration. I mean, I was going to go and watch. St Albans uh, City play on Saturday. I was going to go and watch. I was going to watch Chelsea Liverpool, and then uh, St Albans City at three o'clock. They called that off at like nine a.m. They were basically saying this pitch is frozen. It ain't going to unfreeze by then. You know, if a if a you know a, a team in the you know sort of uh, National League South. Can can call a game off with you know with that amount of notice and just say to the fans don't bother turning up because this pitch is frozen. There's no reason why why you know some you know the women's team at that level couldn't do that as well. That's what I'm thinking, and I think we need to get rid of outside pressures, make the referee the the, the full and final arbiter of these decisions, and and then abide by those decisions.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, anyway, but the the Liverpool game, it was a uh, well look, it was it showed that Chelsea have been working on things. I thought it was, I know that. All the the neutrals say it was a dour game. It was miserable. But actually, I think we saw a certain evolution in in the team uh, against Liverpool. And I thought there were some really wonderful performances out there. And we saw, again, this, dare I say, that fluid way of looking at the back three, back four, back five, whatever it is. They are trying to change it with the patterns of play, aren't they, Gary? It's, It's a... It is fluid. Fluid is the only word you can use about what goes on. People drop into the hole. It reminds me a lot of the old-fashioned total football that the Dutch used to play. Yeah, I like it
1: as well because, you know, they were talking on the commentary of like, oh, they've changed this and now it's that again, now it's this. As if the manager don't brief the players, that it suddenly just decides in the middle of the game, this was going to happen, do this. They've been briefed on it because you see him on the sideline, especially when you're at a game. You see them on the sideline talking to them and then they all start moving and they get into their positions. They would have gone through that on Friday training. They would have gone through it in their briefing on the Friday night. And they would have gone through it before the game again. I like I like seeing that because they're adapting. They, they, they know what their game plan is and they're changing their game plan as they need to depending on what's going on in front of them as well. I think having a, you know, the amount of times we, everyone moans about a manager going, oh, he's only got one one idea. He's only got plan, A, And then the manager's got, plan D and E as well, not to say that it's too dramatic and changes too much and everyone complains about that as well. Oh, yeah, he doesn't know what he wants, does he? It's like, how how can you have it? I'm not saying that you've got to change everything all the time, but when you see things are being adapted and they're tinkering, they're doing stuff, I don't want to see it too much, but I like seeing it because I'm like, okay, here's a manager that's thinking. He's not just sat there and saying to the players, no, you go and do it. They've got a job to do and he's trying to get them to do it.
2: Relates back to this conversation we had earlier about Lampard and the sophistication of modern management, and you know, for, you know, the old cliche: football is an easy game and a simple game. It, it is, you know, it's it's eleven men versus eleven men. You get the ball in either net, and that's the game, you know. And I, I think, you know, on that level, it, it, you can make it as reductive as you want. But ultimately, the modern manager, the really strategic manager, is bringing quite complicated ideas into the game, and this idea of fluidity, of changing systems, of pressing. These these are all reasonably modern additions to the game and if you look at the really strategic managers in the Premier League whether it's Guardiola, Klopp and I'd even put Arteta in there as well that are very strategic and you put Arteta in there because he learned at the knee of Guardiola uh, you know if you look at those managers it took them a little bit of time to get those ideas across whether it was Klopp with the geg and press or it was um, it was Guardiola with his you know sort of rotating system uh, or whether it was Arteta, Arteta implementing his Guardiola light tactics you know but it took a little bit of time time and people don't seem to realise that if you are briefing the players on this type of thing, it takes some time to get it right, you know to to get those transitions right, to understand when to press and when to not and you know, and and Gary's right, they are brief but it's a process it's an evolution to get an identity within a team and you know this is where you you look at frank lampard and you go are you that manager yet and i I would probably say probably not he's not that kind of strategic manager yet at the moment um and that's no criticism of him he's just young and he's new to the job and and this goes all the way back to why you should give managers time because it takes a little bit of time for those fairly complex ideas to bed in
0: yeah no i I think that's fair point um I'd like to pick out a few people to discuss and the way they played as well. Uh, I think we're seeing with Benoit badia after two games, although ironically, when he had that headed chance. And I think the commentator said, and he still hasn't scored yet for Chelsea. And you're thinking, where well, is his second game, but... He looks like he's gonna. He's got a swagger. I said this to Gary on the day. I said he's got a bit of a swagger, like a Desai kind of character about him. And I, I really like the way he's bedding in early. We're seeing signs. Look, he's going to take time getting used to to the league, but he looks. Like he's got something about him, doesn't he, Gary?
1: Yeah, he just needs to be able to score. I'm. You know, I can't believe he's in not score that header. Waste of money. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I like him. Uh, I think he's calm. I think he's he reads the game well. He's obviously got a brain. He's physically imposing. He's very good in the air, which we've lacked a little bit at the back. Um, he's he seems to have good chemistry with Silva. Um, there's a lot to like. It is only two games, you know. Let, let's see how it unfolds. Um, let's see whether he can sustain it. Um, but early signs are really good.
0: Yeah, and he looks quick as well, and a great header of the ball, apart mm. from in front of goal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, the the other player who I thought it didn't have a, the greatest of games, um, and maybe he was a bit nervous playing in midfield, which is where he normally plays. Lewis Hall, I, I really felt for him. I, I thought the game really didn't help him a lot. I mean, what did you make of his performance, Gary? It was almost like a second debut,
1: right? Because he's always played at left back yeah. or left wing back, right? So he's coming in and playing in a position that, yeah, it might be his natural position, but it's the first time he's played in that for the senior team at Chelsea. So, um, yeah, but I just like watching him play. He's really confident on the ball. And we had that conversation about, you know, clangers and stuff last week, but it wasn't a bad performance. Okay, you could see that he was still raw, but he didn't come off the pitch where I was thinking, poor... You know, we we got away with one today, letting him play or whatever. You know, I think he he did well. He did well in there.
0: What what did you think, Andy? Did you think it it was a, a slightly more nervous and hesitant performance from him?
2: I like his attitude. He he seems like he's not overwhelmed by the situation. He's very young. He's only 18. Um, I I don't think he's ready. That's the problem. And I think that um, he played well, you know, for for who he is and and what he is. But is he ready to step into the centre of our midfield at the moment? I I don't think he is. I think he performed well under the circumstances, Uh, but our midfield wasn't really at the races uh in that game um so yeah like watching him play I think he's got a big future whether it's in central midfield I don't know um he's going to struggle to get in the team when Chilwell gets back I'd be interested to see where, where Lewis Hole ends up but I like him a lot I just don't know where he fits at the moment
0: well, I mean, he naturally, he's a midfielder, but... So and, they tell me.
2: But, you know, yeah. he, looked, he looked like a better left-back, didn't he? I thought, yeah. you know, on the on the, on the well, John Terry
1: started off as a centre, centre mid, didn't he? And he ended up becoming a, a, a centre-back. What I was going to say is it's interesting you see that it's probably his worst performance, of, uh, you know, in the, the handful of times he's played. But it just shows as well that when you play out on the flanks like that, you're not getting. You might get exposed by your opposite number, but the game doesn't pass you by in the same way it does when you're in the middle. So mm. much is going through the middle that you're getting passed by. The ball's just pinging around you, and it's happening so quick. And you could see that a little bit of him. He probably had to adjust to the pace. He's playing again. He I know there was a young lad in there for Liverpool, but he's having to adjust to the pace of the game where they're grown men that are you know pinging it around him a lot quicker. There's a lot more counter attacks from Liverpool, and when you're a young lad like that, you just get caught up in the middle of it.
2: He didn't get any help either. I I don't think he didn't get any help off of uh, Gallagher or Mount or, you know, or Jorginho in that game. You know, he wasn't the only one that struggled. Um, You know, those other players we know have done it in that position. You know, can Hall do it? Yeah, give him a few more chances there. He he may do. But, you know, he was, you know, none of them were good in that position, really. Gallagher had a really good game. um, But defensively, uh, you know, he didn't give him an awful lot of assistance. um, And I think Liverpool were probably better in the midfield than we were.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is the, the the area that we're really needing to work on at the moment, um, and I, that's why I think we're still trying to go for Enzo um, Fernandez over at Benfica. So we'll see how that pans out. Um, Mason Mount is coming in for a lot of stick at the moment. To me, uh, all well, that's hang on, wrong...
2: hang on. A, a lot of stick. That's not yeah, necessarily. Is. Well, he's getting well, some is. stick. He's getting some stick from some quarters.
0: From I a lot of quarters, i don't Pundits think he's getting, I don't think well. he's getting.
2: I don't think he's getting stick from real Chelsea fans, Kerry.
0: No, I agree with you. I'm. Hey, look, I like. Just, him. That it's I think, just the
2: phraseology there. I think that you know people are sort of building this narrative about about um, Mason Mount. You know, getting getting absolutely caned. There's an awful lot of support for Mason Mount as well.
0: There is, but the biggest mouths are right usually people. the ones who talk rubbish, and yeah. there, there is. A lot of noise about him. And I think it's unwarranted. He looks to me like a player who has not had a rest in two and a half years. Who's still a very young player. Who possibly could do with a couple of games out. But they haven't been able to do it because of all the injuries. I mean, Gary, what do you make of Mason? Try four
1: years, Kerry. I've got some stats. I'm armed with stats. Just on that as well, I am um, very facetiously on on Sunday. I saw he was getting all this abuse on Twitter. And I just... Um, I tweeted a picture of him holding the Champions League trophy and uh, I just said, um, up the Chelsea, beating heart of the club. Not, didn't mention his name, nothing. Oh gosh, the uh, the abuse has come my way because of that. How dare I say it? 100,000 views and everyone just in a meltdown because I'm dared saying anything. about. I just did it for a laugh because I thought, yeah, I'll get you all going. Give you something to choke on uh, on a Sunday. But here's the interesting thing about Mount and this isn't, you know, criticism where it's due is fine, right? That's what we do. But criticism, when it's done with a little bit of perspective and it's not just with bile, you know, there's a difference, right? And I think that Mount, as much as we praise him, and when he has a bad performance or bad performances or hits a rough patch, it's only right and proper that you criticise him as well. But you criticise him properly, you know, from a good place. And I think that his performances have been subpar. And I think that he's a victim of being overplayed he's a victim of the team changing around him and the manager trying to find a new role for him because it's not going to be exactly as it was under Lampard and Tuchel And I think there's a few things going on but I think on top of it I just look at him and I see a player who's just incredibly tired and burned out and I just wanted to do a comparison now this is from a pool of just two players right I'm comparing him with Odegaard not that Odegaard and him are the same players but they operate in a similar place and Odegaard is sort of the the golden boy of Arsenal at the moment right um, and I'm sure that, you know, if you stretched through your net out further, you know, and if I had time and I was getting paid for this, I'd do something more in depth, right? But this is the difference between Mason Mount and Odegaard since the um, 1920 season. So yeah, 1920, 2021. 20, yeah. So since the 1920 season, when Odegaard was on loan from Real Madrid to... Sorry, 2020, Social, I think it
2: 2020, not 1920. Or it it 19 2019 to, 20, oh, 20, I to 2020,
1: <laughs> and, not um, the 1920s. Look, so how many, so since that time, so in the last three and a bit seasons, um, when, since Mount made his debut at, at Chelsea, Odegaard was on loan for Real Madrid and then he subsequently went to Arsenal. How many more games do you think Mount has played for club and country over Martin Odegaard? I'll give you a clue. Is it 45, 55 or 65?
2: Well, I, I think just because you're posing it like that, I'm going to say the highest number.
0: I'm going to go... What, what was it? 55, 45, I think. 55,
2: 65. Yeah.
0: 65
1: more matches he's yeah. played there in three go. and a half years over Odegaard, right? Mm. That is nearly two Premier League seasons. And it's not saying we're doing it over five years or 10 mm. years. That's in three and a half years. Mm. And so j- just to give you the figures, in 2019-20, 59 matches. 2021, when we won the Champions League, 69 matches. Last season, for club. And, this is all for club and country, last season, 64 matches. This season, already, including the World Cup, 31 matches. In comparison, Odegaard was 40, 37, 55, 26. So Mount has played 223 games in three and a half seasons, and Odegaard has played 158. Now, there's other stuff aside where talent comes into it, but nobody can look at that and think the mental tiredness that comes with that, playing for Chelsea. You know, Chelsea have gone so deep in the FA Cup and the League Cup last year, deep in the Champions League. The year before we went all the way and won the Champions League. You think during COVID football, we got to the FA Cup final again. He played all those matches. So many managers have relied on him. I just think it's time to ease the pressure on Mount and just don't rely on him as as much and give him a break. Really give him a break. I'm not saying you just drop him and don't let him play, but managing better because what you run the risk of is what happens so many times with these young talents that just look at Fabregas. let's, Let's play, let's play, let's play, let's play. And look, there's other, I'm sure there's other things besides. And I'm not saying he's the best player to come out of Chelsea ever or he's the best player in the world right now. Just look at it and take the perspective and take a step back and think, if you're in your job and you're performing seven days a week and you're having to work 65 more days a year than your colleagues... Who's the one who's better performing consistently?
2: Don't ask yeah, Kerry. Right. Kerry hasn't got a job, so you know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't understand that concept. You, don't, Jackie. you just
1: make up sentences. Th- this is why Jackie performs better than Kerry. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, her XG is much higher. Listen, I, I, I just want to say this. I want to go back to what, what, what I was saying earlier. Nobody should care what people say on Twitter. You know, because Twitter is a, is a hellscape for ignoramuses. And, it's you know, full you, of idiots, the, Andy. The, the kind of people that, you know, that kind of make those comments about <laughs> Mason Mount are really not worth listening to. They you don't know, understand
1: for, the culture of Chelsea. Like, after the Fulham game, yeah. the way he stood out with the fans and that, that's why Chelsea fans love him, because yeah. he might play bad, he might not be on the top form, but he yeah. gets it.
2: Yeah, I understand. And and, and all that stuff, you know, and, and people making those kind of comments, they have these, you know, you get a lot of American fans who kind of hate Mount because he... <coughs> he, he you know, presumably, you know, took, took away game time from Pulisic and all this nonsense that doesn't really matter. And I, I would just say this, you know, it is perfectly fine to criticise any player constructively. It doesn't matter if they came through the academy. You know, it doesn't matter if they came up, you know, through, you know and they're Chelsea through and through. If they play poorly, you should be allowed to criticise them. However, if you're a real Chelsea fan, you shouldn't abuse and disrespect your own players to the level that some people are. That doesn't make any sense either. So I would just say there is no reason to get polarised by this debate. You know, Gary's absolutely right and has get demonstrated, you know, real facts as to why we need to give uh, Mason Mount a bit, uh, a bit of slack and, 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 and quite rightly not rely on him so much. And hopefully some of the players we've brought in will allow us to, you know, to use Mason Mount more effectively. But why don't we just all chill out about it? it you know, it's really not worth the energy and the headspace Arguing about a player that hopefully isn't going anywhere, that's going to be the future of our club, and you know, and I would say probably a future club captain. You know, it's it's you know it's it's it goes back to the old the old saying supporter. Paul the name. club. Yeah.
0: Here we go. There yeah. we go. Luckily, none of those people will be listening to this. Um, so, Good. So the people. Good. Who- and if
2: you are one of those people and you're listening to it, you're not allowed to. Off you go, <laughs> jogger. I,
1: I I do think this mindset comes from the fact that the people that have this perspective, by and large. I'm not saying because you're of a certain generation that you're automatically a knob, but generally speaking, and I get this with my nephews, it's because they have this throwaway attitude and their exposure to football isn't because they started watching football as a seven-year-old and they started learning about the game that way. They got into football because they were playing FIFA. And then in FIFA, players are you know disposable, easy, and it's just because you're not dealing with actual facts. Throwaway you're just dealing culture. With- yeah, exactly. Well, it's the, the
2: other of players, isn't it? It's the it's the idea that players are somehow robots, or they're so how, yeah. you know they're somehow you know they're, they're somehow machines, and 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 they have the same physical and mental frailties as you and I. You know, I think you know in in a sporting sense they're much more superior physically and, and mentally, but you know they still are fallible. And Mason Mount, through overplaying or overtiredness or lack of confidence or whatever it is, just isn't performing at his peak at the moment. My attitude to that is so what? You know, just give the guy a break, give him a break, and. Yeah. Um, you know, and he'll come back into form because form is temporary and class is permanent. Is a cliche. I, for I'd,
0: that. Absolutely,
1: and I'd love to see Southgate in the summer. Just say we were chatting about it the other day, Karen. No, yeah. said he won't do it. I know he won't do it, but I'd like to see him do it. Just say, Mason, have a blow. We don't need. I know what you can do for this team. I know where you're going to play in this team. Take the summer off. We don't need you for these pointless Nations League games. Go and have six weeks. Rest your body. Get some sun. Rest your mind. Sleep. Read a nice book. Maybe Gary's 50, you know, greatest games for John Terry. I'll give it to him signed. Have a good read of it on the beach. Literally, mate, you can get that
2: from the 10p bin in WH Smith's season. Sold out everywhere. You can't get it.
1: Um, Maybe, you know, read some critical (laughs) critters. We only published
0: 20 copies. (laughs) Vanity publishing. No,
1: actually, sorry, I should have, the joke was 26, 26. I should have said. Um, You know, read some critical critters and stuff like that. Have some fun. You know, and then come back to Chelsea and just ease your way back into it. And that's what he needs, but he won't get it. And that's the problem. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And hopefully, yeah.
2: hopefully, you know, it, unless we make the Champions League, you know, we won't make the Europa League and we won't make the conference and we won't be playing loads and loads of midweek games, you know, which will take the pressure off these players a little bit. You know, and not that we absolutely. don't want to be in the Champions League. We do. But if we are going to be in a midweek competition, let's make, it, make sure it's an elite competition and not one of the Mickey Mouse, you know, sort of pretend ones.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, Mason, we love you. Chelsea fans love you. Don't worry about it. And uh, yeah, okay. Moving on. Let's let's get to it. I mean, okay, that goal from Kai Havertz. Technically, it was offside. I reckon we should have a have a timer for that. If they don't make the decision in time, then the decision can't be overturned. I think it'd be great if it was on a a clock, like a countdown clock or something. Because I mean, wow. Yeah, okay, technically it really was offside, but wow, it was it was so marginal, wasn't it? And they had to say that. It search was so bad, even it, Steve
1: McManaman was
0: aghast at it. Yeah, I know, which is saying a lot. But okay, look, let's move on to to the thing that I can, well, I can remember the last time I felt like this with a player on his debut. Um, it was probably Iron Robin, uh, and probably Maybe, more well maybe Hazard. No, definitely, Iron Robin. Hazard became not, this. Not de- not Deco against
1: Wigan. Twenty eight. Uh, sorry, twenty ten. Oh,
0: that, that was pretty spectacular. I'm surprised, <laughs> you
2: you're surprised you haven't gone Pulisic straight away, there, mate. Why? Because you Why love would I do Pulisic. That?
0: Oh, my God, I support Chelsea team players. Not like you, who just diss him at every moment. The clue's in the
1: name, Kerry, supporter. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Andy, Andy,
2: support your players. (laughs) Fickle. I love Pulisic, but I'm not even going to mention him in
0: in my favourite Davies. Look, what I am going to mention him, because that was in my next line, is that (laughs) we we have suddenly seen, from his appearance, Mudrick, everything that has been missing about our wide players for the last few years. You see somebody who's brave, who does the mercurial, does magical stuff. This is a guy who hasn't played for months because he's had a winter break. He comes on not 100% fit. Hopefully, we are going to see more of this, and it's everything we love, isn't it, Andy?
2: Ah, listen, we saw twenty minutes, and it was brilliant, and I loved yeah. it. You know, but then I saw you know Timo Werner in the early days, turn players on the halfway line, and you know run through and score incredible goals, and no! you know, and, 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 and it never quite worked out. But you know, I, look, I think that I'm always wary about getting too excited too early because you know it's the hope that kills you, Kerry, and and but I'm not going to take anything I'm still away. Here. Not going to take anything away from that brilliant cameo that he put in. You know, particularly the little, you know, quick dancing feet in the box and into the side netting. I mean, that was really quite special. Um, he looks like he's got. You know, something about him, doesn't he? He's got charisma. He's got presence. He's really rapid. He's physical. Um, he's got a good fit. I mean, listen, he's the whole package. Let's hope he can put it together and put players around him that can, you know, really amplify what he's good at. But yeah, re- really good fun. Let let's uh, let's take a-, a watching brief on it for the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and uh, um, what do you make of it, Gary? He did something. I, I found myself standing up twice watching him in my own front room, which I can't remember doing. And I went, oh, my God, what's that? Oh, my God. Just just wonderful, wasn't it? Just to see that. Maybe you should never play for us again and we can just dream. Like Felix, you know, they are the two world beaters now. They should never play again. <laughs> what did you make of them, Gary? Make of him? I, I can't
1: remember the last time. It must have been with Hazard. but If someone hears this, correct me, but... I can't remember the last time that a team made not only a sub, but a tactical change because of what a Chelsea winger was doing. Yeah. And the moment he came on and Klopp saw him and he thought, okay, right, Milner, you're off. Do you know what I mean? It's like Milner was <laughs> One blowing tackle out his gone. rear end. Yeah, and, and Klopp just saw that and went, got, you're not even fit. Alexander-Arnold, you've got to go on. Uh, but to be and honest,
2: he took, he took off the 38-year-old 30, journeyman and put a proper but, right back on. But the,
1: point, but the point is, is that he knew that he could start him, right? He, he took that risk by starting him against Czech. You know, imagine yeah, if Mudrick yeah. had started, Klopp mm. would have be been like, what have I done here? He yeah. took a gamble that he wouldn't start and obviously he got it right. But imagine had he started and just done 45 minutes of that because Milner was, you know, they would have been screwed. They would, they would have, he would have just tore Milner a new one the whole game. Yeah. And uh, well, that, that whole half, right? But um, I mean, the one what thing I liked about saying, him.
2: Sorry, thing... sorry, Gary. I thought
1: you'd finished, sorry, Gary. That's, that's right. No, what I liked about him was um, just when he when Gallagher. Oh, it's a shame because there should have been a penalty if Gallagher if he hadn't taken the ball off Gallagher. I reckon it would have been a penalty. But the feet, such quick feet, in and around the players, and yeah, it was... obviously he didn't have an end product. He didn't score, but come on as a cameo goes on your debut that's what you want to see from a kid who comes in and especially just because arsenal fans are like oh yeah you know now we've got um you know matey boy from Trossard uh, Yeah we've got Trossard because that's the one we really wanted and it was more efficient from Look you were flirting with him dying to have him and suddenly what happened on the dance floor he saw a better looking person and went off with them and now you're like oh yeah i never i never liked her anyway yeah you did you were drooling over her for months Let, uh, let's put a bit know? of
2: perspective on this a little bit you know liverpool play no a very high perspective line. liverpool play a very high line it kind of suited that running from behind you know we are going to be playing play uh, teams like Fulham and West Ham coming up that aren't going to do that you know he's going to have to you know he's not going to have an opportunity to use that kind of pace in and behind you know we're going to see if he's got you know the other skills that we need which is the passing and the movement and the through ball and you know the stuff that you know that, that, that you need against players that teams that play a much lower block so listen I, I was also very very excited and uh, whooping at the telly you know for some of those things things it was a brilliant cameo um you know let's hope that he comes in and he's the talisman that we've been searching for for them you know since since hazard left you know
0: well personally i'm looking forward to the thought of mudrick on one side felix on the other side maybe we'll only see felix for a few games but let's see what happens i i think we are in exciting times with mudrick even if he's the only player who's any good in the side which of course he isn't it's it's just going to be an adventure. I think he looks like a player who's going to take you on an adventure. Uh, yeah, Gary. Well, just um, just
1: you know, go back to what Andy was saying about you know Liverpool playing the high line. What that's why I was so impressed with his quick feet because it shows that he can get in those spaces. But the hope is with someone like him as well is that um, I remember this is what always amazed me about uh, when we played that first season under Conte was um, we had that. Um, we had that whip. And I remember, and I know it's only Moses and Alonso, right? But you'd see him on the east side when I was in the press box. At, basically, Moses was like, wasn't even on the pitch. He'd be off the pitch with the linesman. And then Alonso would do the same. And what the hope is with Mudrick is that because he's got that pace and he's got the ability to go, that teams aren't going to be able to play so compact in the middle. Because normally teams with Chelsea, they'd say, we'll have you in the middle and we'll let Ziyech and Pulisic have it because we know there's no threat there, right? Whereas now, team's going to have to be a bit more... Whoever's playing against him is going to be over a bit more. So the hope is that... I know I'm talking tactics board as if this is, you know, this is FIFA style, but the hope is that he's going to be able to draw players out, which frees up that space. It even gives an extra second to someone in the middle, right? Which means that we've got more going on for us.
0: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. Well, look, I, I've been invaded by dogs. We're getting very close to the end of, of the... Georgie wants her well, dinner. Georgie does want her dinner. But um, but yeah, look, we're not going to be here next week because there's no game to report on. So we should have a quick summation of what we think is going to happen against Fulham on Friday week at the Bridge. And predictions, please. Andy, you may go first.
2: I thought we were very poor against Fulham when we played them a couple of weeks ago and uh, they will, you know, they're going to have Mitrovic back, you know, they're, they're, they're no mugs. I think we're a better team than we were three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I, I think there's there's been a little bit of a tipping point in terms of attitude, belief, confidence and personnel. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, we're going to get some players back. I mean, presumably Rhys James is going to be there or thereabouts around that sort of time. It's um, at the bridge. You know, let's hope that... you you. Know that we can continue what feel like the small green shoots of recovery and put a decent performance in against Fulham and start to bring more of our fans on board with the uh, you know with with the second half of the season.
0: Okay, so your score
2: two nil to us.
0: Okay, Uh, Gary, your last thoughts on the Fulham game? Um,
1: Three nil. uh, and I think you're going to see a team that's got a bit more shape and a bit more direction to it because they would have had two weeks of training. Um, and what I would like to see is Gallagher stay in the team. Um, I'd like to see Lewis Hall play at left back uh, if Chilwell isn't fit, which he's not going to be. Um, and just keep doing what they're doing where they're slowly but surely blooding these youngs- these youngsters, giving them more game time. They're changing the face of this team gradually. And I think you can see the way he's using Gallagher now. He's getting more confidence in him and Gallagher's getting that confidence. He's not perfect. Um, But I would just like to see more of that and see Mudrick start the game and just really go at Fulham and impose ourselves on the game and play like we're at home and we're a bigger,
0: better team. And your prediction is? 3-0. 3-0, 3-0. Right, OK. Right, well, I'm going to go... I think we're hopefully going to see even more of an evolution... I think we're going to see more settled players. Maybe a couple of players will come back. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Badia Shiel because I'm sure they'll have Mitrovic back. So that'd be interesting to see how they deal, how he deals with a, a proper Premier League striker. I think it's absolutely perfect for him. Um, yeah, he's he's one of my favourites at the moment. I'd agree with you. I'd like to see Gallagher in midfield again. Keep on giving him the confidence to keep working and getting better and better. Uh, and of course, yeah, Mudrick, will see see what that's going to be like, you know, with some training and getting some fitness under his belt. And yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a very exciting Friday evening's game. Um, and yeah, we'll see what it's like having two weeks with no football. Very strange. But uh, my prediction, I'm going to go for 2-0, I think. that's That's what I'm going to go for. So love the, that's love it. the
2: fact love the fact that you went the same as me
0: i know well i think you're actually but no 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 i can't do it can you're I? not allowed to do you tell oh, everyone right, else okay. they're not allowed yeah. to do it so well, i've been waiting for somebody to say right okay i'm going care. to go for i'm going to go for four nil that's just crazy i'd love that yeah me too but it's probably not going to happen but anyway that's it we are out of time andy thank you as always gary thank you as always We'll be back in a fortnight's time. In the meantime, come on, you blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.